Hello, I'm Ken and Kathy Sir, and uh, we moved down here from the Quad Cities in 2008. I was in church um, every Sunday, um, pretty much my entire childhood, and yeah, some of the adulthood, but it was just that. It was just going to church every Sunday, um, and it really wasn't anything outside of that. And it was through my job of doing life insurance exams that he started leading me to people that um, all went to this one church in the Quad Cities. And after several weeks of that, I finally was like, God, okay, you want me to go to this church, whatever. you know. And so I basically went just to get him off my back. Started the women's Bible study there and just did start to develop that relationship that I never had prior to that. When we were younger, we didn't go to church. We went on Christmas and Easter, which everybody calls them Christers, and that's exactly what we did. And then uh, when we were raising the girls, we went to church for a, for a while, but it was just to fill the pew and do what you're supposed to do on Sunday. And then, you know, every time I took a baby step forward, I took three backwards. We ended up moving down here. We thought was because of Ken's job, which it was, but um, looking back now, we can see that God used that to get us to Decatur, to get us to this church. Because I, I told her, if, if we're gonna start doing a church thing, you find a church and then I'll go. I mean, that's just what it was because I just didn't want to show up and sit in a pew just to be saying I went to church. So um, she found this place and then it was uh, three or four weeks later I, went, I showed up and then I liked it. We knew that we needed to be part of First Christian Church um, to really, you know, grow. It was 305 for many, many years. Arts Academy, First Kids, Student Life. I lead a Friday morning small, women's small group. I started out helping her because she was fixing some of the snacks for the 305 kids, so I'd come and wash her dishes and stuff. and then. And then one time I thought I was volunteer to be a weekend custodian to find out I was actually applying for a job. So, and been doing that ever since, so. Ken's mom um, had a real tough battle with cancer and we lost her. My mom had three real tough battles with cancer and Alzheimer's and um, we lost her. And I know for me for sure, and I think I can speak for Ken yep. when I say, if it was not for this church, well, of course, God, but for this church supporting us, loving us, I can't even begin to imagine the prayers that have went up um, over the years of us dealing with all that, you know? And I don't know where, honestly, we'd be right now if it was not for this church helping us get through it. I mean, we really no do idea. life together. Brian, after service one time, because I happened to have been working staff that weekend, Brian walked up and said, thanks for everything you do. And I says, you realize if it wasn't for this church, we wouldn't be here. And then he asked what I meant. It's like, with what I have for a job, I could live anywhere. But we chose to be here. This is where I found God. I do love me some Ken and Kathy, sir. Uh, awesome stuff. 
Well, it's good to be together here this morning. If you're new with us, uh, my name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and just glad to be able to look at God's word with you uh, here in the West Auditorium, as well as those joining us in the East, as well, obviously, those, a bunch of you worshiping online at home in your jammies, I assume, uh, maybe new Christmas jammies, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, Christmas, you know, we're a couple days removed from that, and 2020 is now starting to look more and more in the rearview mirror as we now, in our final weekend of this year, look forward, I guess, to 2021. Uh, there's been a whole lot of energy and excitement with the understanding of, you know, I don't know what 2021 is going to bring, but it seems like whatever isn't 2020, it's got to be better than what it was. Uh, and there's this excitement, like whatever it could be, and it's all going to be better, and it's going to be the change we've been anticipating, and it's the change that's finally going to come. Or will it? Or will it? Because I think if we just kind of calm down just a second and just think logically for all of us, if there's, I, I'm assuming there's this little piece of common sense within each of us that says, you know, if we think about it, really, the only difference between 2020 and 2021, uh, you could say more specifically, the only difference between December 31st of 2020 and January 1st of 2021, at the end of the day, is just one day. That really the only thing that separates this year from the next is in the end just another day, just one day. Because we know that it's not like in 2020 there, you know, there was a pandemic and then come January 1st, 2021, there's not going to be a pandemic. And it's not like uh, there was, you know, political unrest just in 2020 and now we're going to get in 2021 and that's all just going to disappear. And it's not like we weren't uncertain about how we were going to live, work, play, do social events, eat, whatever the, 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 the collection may be in 2020 and then come January 1st in 2021, uh, that the, all of that is just going to be resolved. No, we realize that the difference between 2020 and the day after is just one day, just another day. And, you know, with our theme being throughout the month of December, expect the unexpected, really looking towards the positive unexpected realities that God wants to step into, we also recognize that there's still maybe some unexpected future understandings of what, maybe in the negative sense of what we're not sure will end up being in the year to come. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, I know this is a super uplifting uh, opener to the whole deal here, uh, but what, what if these uncertain times as the lingo go, uh, or goes for 2020 become just the uncertain times of 2021? And what if, you know, this lack of control of 2020, the sense of control that we seem to be slipping through our fingers, what if that is the same lack of control that we experience in 2021? And what if, what if all the uncertainty and all the lack of control, what if, what if that's okay? What if that's okay? What if uncertainty and a lack of control are not just okay, but maybe even the best environment for us to, as we have less control, have more faith? What if this context of lacking control and lacking certainty actually is the best space for us to become more devoted followers of Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus had a lot to say about this idea of control versus faith and faith in the face of uncertainty. 
Jesus, uh, you know, like the one we just celebrated coming, or, you know, like two days ago, uh, he came, but he also in his life, God with us, Emmanuel, God of the flesh, he taught us what it meant to have a relationship with God, a faith-filled relationship with him. And what happened when he was on earth is his original disciples, they watched how this played out and they would uh, ask him questions like they asked him once, like, okay, Jesus, we see you going off and being in relationship with our heavenly father. How do you do that? And how should we do that? They basically say, teach us how to pray is what they said. And what came out of that conversation in Luke and then also recorded in the book of Matthew is uh, this prayer that we just prayed together. And Jesus said, he said to the disciples, he says then to us, When you pray, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Essentially, the prayer is, God, you're awesome. Your will and ways are awesome. And can we have some of that right here where we live? And then from there, there's this one little line, this short line. That's actually the shortest sentence in the whole prayer. Six words, Matthew 6, 11. Jesus tells us to pray then. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Now, what, what does that mean? What is, what is Jesus talking about when it comes to bread? Is he talking like literal? He's talking more like, uh, you know, figuratively? I mean, what is Jesus getting at and, and where does this come from? And even more so, what does this daily bread idea have to do with this uh, maybe stepping into 2021 reality of uncertainty and a lack of control, being okay, maybe even a good thing? when it comes to following Jesus. Well, this idea of daily bread is a theme that we find actually all throughout the scriptures, cover to cover, in all kinds of different themes. And the one that we uh, could argue is probably the most profound or the first place it really shows up is in the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, uh, which actually uh, the story is reflected in the song we just sang here a few moments ago where the chorus goes, uh, you stepped me, or excuse me, you stepped into my Egypt, You took me by the hand, you marched me out in freedom into the promised land. You see, God's people, they were enslaved by the people of Egypt, the Egyptians, for 400 years. And God hears their cries, and it says, just as a song, he, he, he hears their cry, he takes them by the hand, he marches them out of Egypt, and then he uh, takes them to the Red Sea where he parts that, and another song that we sang, he turns that sea into a highway, and it says that he marches them into freedom. And then the last line of that chorus was, into the promised land. But recognize, there is a whole lot happening in the story of Exodus between being marched out of Egypt and through the Red Sea before they actually get to that point in the song of to the promised land. And that space, that time was 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Wandering in the wilderness. That was the step necessary between being freed from Egypt and stepping into the promised land. And that whole idea of wandering in the wilderness that Israel experienced literally has been used throughout the scriptures and really throughout human history to describe these seasons of life of, you could say, our own, you know, metaphorical wandering in the wilderness. This, this, um, this stage where theologians, they've called it uh, all kinds of different things. They've called it the land between. Uh, they've called it the confusing in-between. Uh, the historical monastic movements, they would actually call it holy uncertainty. Developmental psychologists, they have a word for it, you know, kind of outside of the Christian faith, this idea of being in between two different stages. They call it liminal space. 
Liminal space defined is the time between what was and what is next. It is a place of transition, a season of waiting and not knowing. You could say it's where you haven't fully left one developmental stage, uh, nor have you fully stepped into the next. And maybe that's where you find yourself here on December 27th of 2020. Yeah, there's this liminal space that we all talk about, you know, of 2020, but that's kind of like, that's kind of like the headlines. Uh, sometimes in the news they'll say, hey, what you missed in the news because this was taking over the news. And I would suspect that just like any other year, there are these liminal spaces, maybe related, maybe unrelated completely to any other events of 2020 uh, in your life. You know, maybe you're in a job now or maybe between jobs and whatever it is, you just, even what you're doing now, you're, 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 maybe you would say you're unsettled. And it's fine for now, but it's not yet what you see is to come, but you're not sure what that next thing is. Maybe in your life you've experienced divorce uh, or been widowed or you're currently single and, or just, and it's just like a not yet married kind of situation and you wonder if you will be and you're in this in-between. Maybe you're a college graduate who had very specific plans as to what was going to be next. I think a lot of my friends who, you know, in the medical field, like you had very specific plans coming out of college or whatever degree of like, this is what I was going to do. And all those opportunities just seem to have vanished into thin air. Maybe as you go into this new year, it'll be a whole new year after the loss of a loved one in 2020. Or maybe you're like, Maybe you're like in this weird season of marriage where it's not what it used to be, but you know you want more for the future. Maybe it's your faith in God that's been tried in the last year and you just, you wonder, it's not also maybe what it used to be, but you know there's more that you long for. Or think about your kids uh, and the activities that have disappeared in this past year, the sports. And, you know, they keep saying, you know, in 2021, it's going to be this way. Or it's going to come back. And, and, and you, you wonder because you're in a liminal space. It's not what was, but you're really not sure what is yet to be. And it all sounds a whole lot. Again, rather the, the headlines or maybe the subtext, a lot of 2020 for a lot of us. And so, as we think about where we are defined in this in-between, literally days away from a new year, but having experienced the prior, we're not really into the next thing yet. Let's see what we can learn from Israel's liminal space experience as they wandered in the wilderness, having, you could say, left Egypt, but not yet fully stepped into the promised land. Okay, And so we experience that story in Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17. It says that when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was the shorter route. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road and toward the Red See. So what you see looking at the map here on the screen is that the clearest, most direct route would be to head pretty much straight east from Egypt to the promised land. Scholars argue that would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of an 11-day journey. 
But instead, God chooses them to take them south through the wilderness to Mount Sinai there at the bottom and then back up and then some swirlies in the middle there, um, which would have been, had they done even just that route direct, uh, would have been about a two-year route. But that two-year route actually ends up becoming 40 years through the wilderness. And so we've got to ask ourselves, again, kind of logical thinking people who love to hear from our Google Maps, you are on the fastest route. Why would God choose the slower route that became even slower for them in this journey to the promised land? Well, there's a saying that I think it's been maybe used so much that it risks becoming cliche. And when things become cliche, we often miss the meaning within them. Uh, But you've probably heard the saying, the expression, the journey is the destination. Have you heard that before? This idea that, you know, we're trying to get somewhere that we can sometimes focus so much on where it is we're trying to go. We can miss the destinations within the journey itself. That what, kind of from a spiritual standpoint, what God wants to teach us each and every day in the midst of that journey, like every day a destination in the midst of the journey. The journey is the destination, or you could say inversely, the destination is the journey. And we see this played out for God's people all throughout their journey, all throughout that 40 years throughout the uh, the desert as God's teaching them and training them and preparing them and testing them to make sure that what they are leaving behind, that they are actually ready for what he is taking them into in the promised land. And you could say that we boil it down or we can see it boiled down really to two big invitations from God all throughout those 40 years that fast forward several thousand years later are the same two invitations he still offers us today on December 27, 2020 in whatever liminal space, whatever wilderness we find ourselves in. My son's calling me. I didn't know he could do that. I'm just going to hang up on him. <laughs> we'll talk later. All right. That's a third invitation. Okay. All right. So we see these two invitations from God. Uh, jumping ahead. I need to figure out how to turn that off. Let's, let's go ahead and do that somehow. All right. We're going to make sure that doesn't happen again because I know them well enough to do that. Okay. That's a first. All right. So we see these two invitations from God uh, that are also for us. Okay. So the first invitation we see in Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 20. It says, after leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of a cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. The first invitation we see here from God is, you could say, his presence. The first invitation is an invitation to his presence that we see him guiding. Uh, It says, get ahead of them, very clear here, with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He is leading them. He is giving them his presence himself. But what's interesting to me is, notice what God doesn't give them. He does not give his people a map. He does not give his people a map. He gives them himself. He gives them his presence. And so rather than God in the form of the map, what does it look like to actually experience God in the form of just his presence being enough? Because I'll be honest, personally, I love maps, like literal and figurative. I love knowing where I'm going, when I'm going to get there, and then what's going to come next. And very specifically, I really love these GPS-based maps on our phones that not just tell us where we're going, when we're going to get there, but if there is some sort of 
detour needed because of construction or a traffic jam, you know, it'll demonstrate this little red line saying it's coming and it will give me that guarantee that I'm on the fastest route and it'll give me a detour. So rather than waiting 50 minutes in a two mile traffic jam, I can take a frontage road that will only take me about five minutes to bypass that, you know, stretch of road. And then what's interesting is you all know this, that everyone's got the same thing. And so we all take the same detour, we end up taking just as long uh, on the detour, but it doesn't matter because at least I'm in control. I have the map and I love to be in control of my journey. We love to be in control of our journey. And so contrast that with uh, say maybe how we used to travel say 30 years ago or real specifically in my life 28 years ago when I was 11 years old uh, between my fifth grade and sixth grade year that summer there my dad was between jobs and he had this wild hair of taking his family on a 45-day cross-country trip and so that wild hair became a reality, and he uh, and my mom and my two younger brothers and I, we you know, loaded into a conversion van with a camper hitched from behind, and we started in Cleveland, Ohio, where I was kind of born and raised in my elementary years, and we traveled down through Texas to a little city called Talty, Texas. Apparently, we have some relatives there. And then we went over to the coast of California, Santa Cruz, had my dad's brother, uncle, some cousins. We visited there for a couple of weeks. We go up to Seattle, where we had some more family friends. And then heading back east, we go all through all the major monuments, all the major uh, landmarks that you'd want to catch. Mount Rushmore, Old Faithful, Yellowstone, the Grand Canyon. We did like this dude ranch in Wyoming. I remember being up in the snow-capped mountains of Colorado, uh, literally throwing snowballs in the middle of summer, in the middle of July, at my brothers. It's like, it was an awesome journey, an awesome adventure that, as obviously you could imagine, full of lifelong memories. And what was incredible, as you think about that as it compares to our GPS systems, that I, for me, as a child, I had, you could say, absolutely no idea where we were going. And I had no idea when we were going to get to the no idea where it was we were going. But in the midst of that journey, what I never did is I never doubted. I never doubted that my dad knew exactly where we were going, that my dad knew exactly how we needed to get to where we were going, and that you could say most importantly that my dad would safely get me and my family to wherever it is that we were going. And so what if? What if uncertainty, what if not being in control, not knowing every step of the way, not having the full map, what if that's actually a good thing? What if having less control provides the perfect environment for us to have more faith? That having less certainty is actually the space where we can have more trust in the presence and the protection of our heavenly dad. And so we choose, we have to make that choice that in the midst of uncertainty, we will trust not in a full map, but in the presence of our God. And then from there, what does the presence of God do? What does, it, what does he provide? What does he promise in the midst of that? Well, skipping over to Exodus chapter 16, we see the second invitation in the midst of his presence, 
for us, his people. For the Israelites, verse 1, chapter 16, says that the whole Israelite community, that they set out for Elam, and they came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Okay, so the 15th day of the second month, that's like six weeks in, and they're grumbling, they're frustrated, they're over it. Sounds a whole lot like March, April of 2020 for a lot of us, right? And so verse 3, the Israelites said to them, you know, if we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, you know, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Not true at all. But they have brought us out, or you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Uh, also not true. But often, and get this, it's so true that in the midst of difficulty, in the midst particularly of uncertainty, the temptation to pine for the past, even when the past wasn't that great, is always there. Because in the midst of uncertainty, we want certainty of even the lesser. And, and you know, we put rose-colored glasses on how things once were. And so we have to watch for that, that the difficulty of uncertainty can leave us, rather than pressing into what God's presence has for us in the future, pining for the past, even if the past wasn't that great. Okay, so anyway, as a result of their grumbling, verse 4, it says that, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down destruction. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I will rain down bread. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions, namely gathering enough just for that day rather than worrying about the future. And so God, in his presence, he assures his people that in it, he will provide. He will provide. I will provide bread from heaven as well as, he goes on to say, meat in the form of quail. Verse 13, he says, that evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? And the Hebrew phrase for what is it sounds like manna. And so they said, manna. What is it? Uh, for they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread. It is the bread that the Lord has provided, has given you to eat. And so what we see in the wilderness, in his presence, we see that God provides in his presence, he provides his providing, his providence. He provides daily Manna, or as Jesus would later go on to teach us to pray and trust in God, daily bread. Daily bread. His presence and his providence. And notice again, just like with the map, notice what he doesn't give. Notice what God doesn't give them. He doesn't give them, you know, uh, a, a farm. He doesn't give them a grocery store. Uh, he doesn't even give them Amazon Prime. They are completely dependent upon God for daily bread, for manna, in his presence, his providence, and he does so daily. Just enough for that day, each day. 
you know, Jesus, very close to this teaching on daily bread, uh, he says in Matthew 6, 34, he says also when it comes to daily trust, daily providence in the presence of God, do not at the same time worry about tomorrow. He says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of or tomorrow will worry about itself. And when you think about it, really worrying, what worry is, it really is when we worry about tomorrow, worrying about uh, tomorrow is just another way of saying, I want certainty for tomorrow. I want to take control of tomorrow. And we must not misunderstand that when we do that, I mean, it's almost like saying, you know, hey, yeah, God, you can have my future because the future is easy to get because it's not yet here. But really God's trust, his request of us to request of him is daily, daily presence, daily providence. And I don't want you to hear that I'm saying that planning is bad. Um, there's plenty of scriptures that say to plan ahead and to, that, that's a wise and a good thing. Uh, but there's a point at which we can let our plans, uh, really you could say, become a point to a fault. Like we can plan to a fault. And trust me, I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to anyone when it comes to planning to a fault. I mean, like my idea of a, of a fun day off is planning every moment of my day off before the day off even happens. So I'm, I'm totally guilty of this. But I would say that if your planning proceeds into worry, and by worry, you could say that if your plans proceed into like your source of trust, if for you, your plans and your planning is this sense of certainty about tomorrow, if your planning and your plans are the case that you're making for control, well, then you have let your plans replace the rightful place of God's presence and God's providence for that day and the day after and the day after. And so I would encourage you that if that is a, a reality for you, that your planning can become your sense of control, your sense of certainty, know that it doesn't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. That for you this day, you can choose today, on December 27th, 2020, to choose instead of your worries, your plans, your certainty, your control, you can choose to release that to God and trust in his presence and his providence. And in some ways it's almost easier for today because today's here and we're kind of hearing it and it's fresh, but the real opportunity, the real test, frankly, that Israel failed because they failed to trust in the presence and the providence of God, that 11 year, that two year journey turned into 40 years because everybody except for two guys didn't trust that they could overcome these giants in the promised land. And so they had that wait for that whole generation to go away, that they did not trust in the presence and the providence of God time and time again. And so you don't have to choose that tomorrow. That tomorrow you can arise to a new day and you can on this day, Monday, December 28th, you can trust his presence, his providence, his daily bread will be enough for tomorrow. And then come December 31st, 2020, the last day of the year, you can wake up that day and you can choose. You can make the choice rather than control uncertainty and planning and over planning and worrying, you can choose. His presence, his providence, his daily bread is enough. And then 2021, the elusive 2021, January 1st, on that day and the day after and the day after, each day, you can't plan today, you can't choose it today because the future's not yet here and that's too easy. You have to choose daily bread, daily providence, daily presence, each day and every day. 
And so real practically for you, maybe that's an alarm on your phone, a reminder, a calendar deal, some other app, a sticky note on the mirror, whatever it takes. Because I don't know about you, but I know for me, I need that in front of my face every day. Every day to choose his presence and his providence. And so because that reality is not something that we do in our own strength, uh, we pray. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and ask God's Holy Spirit to do what only he can do to keep us from doing the things that we love to do, which is plan, overplan, worry, control, and grasp for certainty. And so what I'm going to invite you to do, and um, this kind of helps me with my ADD uh, a little bit, is actually kind of get my body into whatever I'm doing to pray. And so I would say that if you are um, at home or in the East Auditorium and right here in the West Auditorium, uh, I'm going to just invite you to open up your hands. This is one of my favorite ways to pray. Because what I feel, I literally feel is I kind of the surrender. I feel vulnerable. But it's this opportunity that as we pray, that we release, that we're letting go. Um, but at the same time, open-handed to receive whatever it is that God wants to put in our hands. And so I invite everyone, we're going to pray. I'm just going to hold your hands open like this as you join me in praying for his presence and his providence. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, first, with open hands, we let go. We release. We confess where we have put our plans, our worries, our certainties, our controls ahead of your daily presence and providence. We, we release that, whether that has been trusting in the wrong plans, the wrong voices, whether it's our favorite news outlet or some economic forecaster or some crazy uncle at a family gathering or God, even our own past can sometimes be poisoned to the trust and the providence and the presence that you have for us this day as we look also to the future. And so Father, teach us, show us each and every day what it means to trust in your presence and your providence as we let go of any other source of trust, control, or certainty. We request it for today. And then even more importantly, we wanna request it again tomorrow for that day and the next day just for that day and the next day just for that day and the next day just for that day because we know by the power of the Holy Spirit to work within us, you are enough daily bread in your presence and your providence. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
of the goodness of God. Oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God.